This is One-on-One's NHL Podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. All right, welcome in to the big trade deadline edition 2021 of five on three WFUV's NHL Podcast. Tyler Mooney is here. I'm Chris Hennessy in uh, about 48 hours, or excuse me, 24, it's been a long day, 24 hours after a wild trade deadline uh we're gonna get to that we will but first we gotta talk about the weekend series between the islanders and the rangers at the coliseum rangers take three points on the shoulders of islander killer alexander georgiev honestly they probably should have taken four ryan pulak's first goal of the season saves a win on sunday for the isles and they remain tied with washington or they they're now back to tie with washington i should say for first place in the east after uh, they're going two and one in yeah, two and one in the time since we've spoken. So solid weekend for both teams. I think the Rangers, obviously, they come out a little bit on top. Uh, and they announced it just four, four points out of the playoffs, Ty, after a, a good performance at the Coliseum for the Blue Shirts. Yeah, that first game kind of kept the pattern we've seen of the first two Ranger Islander games this year where one team just absolutely dominates the other team. We saw that the first weekend of the year. And then in the first game this weekend, Georgiev seemed like the only team he looks like a competent NHL goalie against is the Islanders and he, he balls out against them every single time. And then, yeah, that second game, definitely the closest game of the year between these two teams. Islanders come out flying. They dominate the first Rangers kind of turn the table and dominate the second. And then that third period and overtime were great. was great hockey about the first Sorokin Shesterkin matchup, which mm-hmm. that was exciting. We'll probably see that hopefully for both teams for a long, long time. And both goalies, I mean, I didn't think either goalie is outstanding, but they made some great saves, especially in that third period. And yeah, Islanders, they keep pace with the Capitals. The Rangers take three or four against a first place team. I think both teams would have wanted to win both games, but I think they'd both be pleased with how they performed. Yeah, I thought Sorokin was really good in the third. I thought Shesterkin was really good in the third too, honestly, but um, they were both pretty solid. And Look, that's a goalie matchup that, you know, we kind of hoped it was going to be DP against Lundqvist for 15 years. It was not, and we all know that. Um, now we have take two, and what we hope is Sorokin versus Sisterkin for a very, very long time. Both of them in their early to mid-20s now. So 10 years of that and 10 years of battling for playoff position in first place will be a lot of fun. Uh, for the Islanders and Rangers, who really haven't been good at the same time in our lifetimes. No, no they have not. The Islanders have sucked for my entire lifetime, so. And then finally, the Islanders have been good, and the Rangers have been terrible these last couple of years. So hopefully these teams, they look like they're finally both trending up at the same time, which is very exciting for New York and the NHL as a whole. Yep, absolutely. And speaking of – we have to talk about this trend because we we need to do something. Every freaking time we record this podcast, something happens right after. It's unbelievable, Tyler. (laughs) What are we doing wrong? We switched the day we record last week because Mike was sick. And you had a scheduling issue, so we switched to Wednesday, and it still happened. It's unbelievable. Incredible! You nailed you nailed the Palmieri deal, but yeah, I, that was what I could not. I think it was, it was three, three hours it was after, three hours the, after podcast. the podcast was released oh on Twitter. Oh my Kyle God. Palmieri gets traded to New York Islanders alongside Travis Zajac for the first round pick this year. AJ Greer, I literally don't even know who that is, and Mason Jobes, who's a, who's a B minus C plus level prospect for the Islanders. Um, 
and a conditional fourth. So two reclamation prospects and the uh, uh, players in the prospect pool, excuse me, that go back to the Devils. The first round pick, which is huge for New Jersey, and the Islanders get two players back, which I did not think they were going to be able to do, um, especially from New Jersey. But Travis Zajac waves his no move clause. He comes to the island. They both reunite with Lou Lamarillo, who drafted Travis Ajak, who acquired Kyle Palmieri from Anaheim a few years back. So I love the trade for the Islanders. I, I mentioned in our podcast last week that I thought Palmieri was a better fit because it wouldn't require trading the first round pick. It did require it. But all in all, uh, this is really good for the Islanders. This is really good for the Devils because now they get a first round pick. And, and my only concern is the expansion draft for the Islanders. Uh, but if they're able to re-sign Palmieri and they lose Josh Bailey, that feels like a positive to me. So all in all, this is a huge win for both sides. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, throwing Zajac in there really sweet in the pot. I think I did some reading. I think the Islanders were – Lou was on the fence maybe going between Hall and Palmieri, but I think when Zajac was added into the mix, that kind of solidified the deal. And yeah, I actually had the privilege of covering Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajax's first game for WFUV. And Palmieri looked really good. He's looked really good against the Rangers as well in this last series. So I think it's a great move for the Islanders. It really solidifies their, their top nine, top six. And Zajax, I think he could be a sneaky addition to this trade too. I mean, Kyle Palmieri is obviously the number one, the big focus of this deal, but Zajac can penalty kill. He's a solid fourth liner. He has experience. So I, I like the move for both teams. And yeah, the Devils getting a first round pick is obviously huge. Yeah. So not only are you adding Kyle Palmieri, who's a scorer, who is now, he's playing with Pajot right now. You add, you add two very different players, is basically what I'm saying. You're an older guy, veteran guy who can play in the power play, more of an Anders Lee type body, although he never, he isn't Anders Lee. He isn't Chris Kreider, but he's, he's that type of body. Um, to play with Barzell. Then you have Palmieri. Palmieri, Pajot, and Walsham can create some damage right now. I, I like the look of that line a lot. Um, and for that second game against the Rangers, you finally saw Leo take a seat. You saw Wallstrom in there with Palmieri and Zajac. With Paj- the regular lineup, plus Palmieri and Zajac, minus Dalcol, minus Johnston, minus Komarov. That is 12 forwards who can win a Stanley Cup. Exactly. It is. It just is. Yeah, I, I'm not is. saying that they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but that is a group of 12 forwards that has the ability to win a Stanley Cup where before with Dalcol and Komarov, it didn't feel like they were. Yeah. Funny little antidote too. You mentioned Pajot. Palmieri got his first goal this year against the Rangers. So did Pajot last year get his first goal against the Rangers, both in games in Nassau Coliseum that I believe both went to overtime. I believe yes, last year was the true. I think you're right. I think this, <laughs> actually I remember where I was for that. I was with Jackson and we were in Pittsburgh uh, for women's basketball. I think that did go to overtime. I think you're right. And Pajot yeah. definitely scored that goal where it hit off the glass and it bounced in front of Georgiev and he kicked it in. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Pajot and Palmieri both scored their first goals as Islanders against the Rangers, which is very nice. Both of them have a history against the Rangers too. Of course, Pajot. The four goal game in the playoff. So don't even. It's my. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I I bring it up. Oh my god! I have nightmares of that. I love that game. I, 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 of course, I watch all all the playoff games, but I distinctly remember watching that game, being like, I, I love that dude. That dude's awesome. (laughs) And of course, he's (laughs) on the Islanders three years later. 
um, as <laughs> way back when JGP was a, an Ottawa Senator. So I don't love ha- having a first rounder headed into the expansion draft, but we'll see how that goes for Lou and crew. But for now they are tied for, I didn't mean to do that, by the way, that did not mean to run there. Um, that they head into uh, the home stretch of this season, tied for first with Washington. They're the only two teams who get Tuesday night off here. Everybody else is playing, including the Rangers and the Devils against each other. Uh, let's do, hmm, I got this whole list here. I'm going to play a little like roulette here. Let's do Taylor Hall. He's the biggest one, right? So let's do Taylor Hall. This trade, man, let me tell you right now. Taylor Hall goes from the Buffalo Sabres to the Boston Bruins, along with Curtis Lazar, in exchange for Anders Bjork and a second-round pick. I, I like Anders Bjork, honestly. He was part of that Notre Dame team. He was one of the top teams in the country. He scored a lot of goals. He's been decent for Boston. I think he can become a pretty good NHL player. He's not going to become Taylor Hall, but I think he can become a pretty good NHL player. Second-round pick is nothing, just as it is nothing. Um, and Buffalo does retain half the salary, and he goes to Boston. <sighs> Taylor Hall, the reason he's a Boston Bruin is because of his no-move clause. That's ba- Kevin Adams, the GM of Buffalo, essentially said that the other day. He was like, look, Taylor gave me – very limited options, and we picked Boston. It sounded like he basically said, I had to trade Taylor Hall to the Boston Bruins. This is what they gave me, get off my back. That was the vibe I got. The vibe I got from the Taylor Hall press conference was, I did, he, he literally said, I don't want to be the center of attention. You went to the Boston Bruins, dude. I'm sorry. You went to a Boston Bruins team whose window is closing by the day, by the year, right? The goalie's getting old. Marshan's getting old, Bergeron's getting old, Chara's gone, Krug is gone. The window is closing. And if they don't want to stay in the cup this year, we don't know if they're going to be able to get back there. And you went there. And I'm not just saying this because I'm an Islander fan, but let's compare it to the Islanders where he obviously could have gone to a team who nobody gives a crap about. No, literally nobody cares. And you could have played with Matthew Barzell. But now you're going to play with Sean Corrali, and you're going to probably lose to the Islanders of the Capitals in the first round of the play. This makes no sense for Taylor Hall's side. It makes perfect sense from Boston's side. It makes perfect sense from, it makes terrible sense from Buffalo's side. They should have gotten a first round pick back for him, but no move clause, whatever. I don't know why Taylor Hall picked the Bruins. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, speaking from the Bruins side, they have absolutely no excuse not to make the playoffs this year. I know the Rangers and Flyers are kind of nipping at their heels, but this is, yeah, I think this could be one of the last years of their window. You mentioned the aging core and the Rangers and Flyers didn't make any moves. The Flyers actually sold off pieces. So I think the Bruins honestly won the deadline getting Taylor Hall for a second round pick. Plus they added Mike Riley. I really like that. But um, yeah. And yeah, Buffalo, they kind of had their hands tied. It's just, it seems like the kind of thing that only happens to an organization like Buffalo. They just never can really get a break. And yeah, I mean, Taylor Hall said himself, it, it didn't work there this year. It went wrong for a multitude of reasons. And this is the third time, though, I'll say. This is the third time that Taylor Hall has seemingly been traded for a somewhat low return. I mean, we have the infamous one for one, Adam right, Larson Adam for Larson. Taylor Hall. And then when Taylor Hall was traded to the Coyotes last year, I know the Coyotes pick, gave up a first round pick. But I still remember at that time, people were like, eh, people were thinking he could get multiple first rounders. He was Mm -hmm. one year removed from an MVP season. And now obviously this. So I'm just wondering, I I wonder what Taylor Hall's value level is around the NHL. I know 
and from for, for fans at least everyone they always go back oh he just won MVP he's never had help but this is now kind of a recurring theme where Taylor Hall is not getting the biggest return that people originally thought yeah I think that's fair and he did get a first round pick from Arizona last year back to New Jersey but th- this is a terrible trade I he's gonna looks like he's gonna play with Krejci and Craig Smith okay that's I know I'm biased, but it's not Matt Barzell. It's not Matt Barzell. It's not Matt Bar- I'm sorry. It's just not. Like, it's just not. And there are other teams he could have gone to. It sounded like Vegas might have been in on him. We mentioned Carolina and Florida as two teams. They have some really solid players up front on both of those teams. And not that Boston is a terrible team. They're not. But they had more holes to fill. Brandon Montour was a guy that I said I thought, I thought was a lock to go to Boston. And I know that um, – that Florida needs a defenseman as well. And they were the ones who landed Montour and that's fine. But you look at they and um, I should, I should give credit. They did trade for Mike Riley from Ottawa. Charlie McAvoy is their best defenseman. Of course, Jeremy Lawson. No idea who that is. Mike Riley, Steve Campfer. Stop me when you hear of anybody who's like anything, Kevin Miller, who spells his name incorrectly, who spells Kevin with an A, and <laughs> Jakob Zaboral, who was one of the three picks they picked over Matt Barzell. So it's nothing. And, yeah, Brandon Carlo is going to come back from injury. Um, he's a solid player. And, obviously, Kevin Miller just came back from injury as well. So they have an okay defensive score, but Brandon Montour makes it better. Yeah. So I don't I – I, I get you go and get an MVP for a second-round pick. That's fine. I Taylor Hall, it makes no sense. And I think that they should have added more defense. Like they're good. It made, it made Boston better. I have them as a winner because they only got traded the second round pick for the best player on the market, but they, they should have done more defensively. And for Taylor Hall, this makes no sense that that's really my kind of thoughts on the trade. Yeah. Yeah. It is tough for Taylor Hall. I, I could, I'll play devil's advocate a bit. I think the one thing that the Bruins do have, which these other teams you've listed haven't is the Bruins do have that pedigree. We've seen the Bruins win this decade and we know what we're going to get from Pasternak. We know what we're going to get from Marshan Bergeron. So as far as culture wise, I think the Bruins maybe do have that a little bit more, but then again, I mean, the Islanders, if you buy into the Barry Trot system, you could argue the Islanders have one of the best cultures team wise in the NHL right now. So it is tough. I mean, yeah, getting a second round pick for a former MVP candidate is a pretty sweet deal, but I agree. I would have liked to see them improve their deal a little bit more. Mike Riley's good, but yeah, Montour was would have been a great fit there too. Felt like they might have been in on the goalie market as well. We'll talk about the goalie market in a bit, but felt like they could have been in on Dubnik or Riddick or Dreger, but they were not. And um, they stick with, um, you know, obviously Tuca and Halak will come back, but they stick with guys who who are not good. Aren't so, good. Yeah, they're just, they're just not good. And, and they're two games above the Rangers right now. And yeah, you mentioned it. The Rangers and the Flyers did nothing. I, I get that, but they are. It's still only two games. Anything can happen. They play Buffalo tonight. Obviously, I don't expect them to lose that game, but we'll see how that one go. We'll see how that one goes. Let's let's switch into those goalies. Devin Dubnik goes from San Jose to Colorado. That kind of signals to me that San Jose's mailing this one in, which is fine. Uh, I don't, I don't really see an issue with that. Just hop in the lottery and see what happens. Uh, and this is exactly the move Colorado needed to make. We talked about it. They trade basically nothing, and it was a fourth round pick 
to get a guy who is insurance behind Philip Grubauer because we see what happens uh, when they have injuries in the playoffs last year. Yeah, exactly. Good move for Colorado. Goaltending depth, you could argue, was the reason that they didn't make it further in the playoffs last year. Um, yeah, Riddick to Toronto. I, that's, that was an interesting move to me. I didn't really see that coming. I mean, we've seen how amazing Jack Campbell has played. I'm not sure what Freddie Anderson's timetable is. I saw Kyle Dubas yesterday said that he 100% believes Freddie will come back this year. So that I kind of am like, eh, how do I feel about that? Because the way Campbell's playing right now, I don't think you can warrant taking the starting job away from him. He's won 11, 12 straight games. And yeah. so did you just give up a third round pick for a guy that might not even be dressing for you in two months? Because when Freddie comes back, you're not scratching him. So that move I didn't really understand. And talking about the goalie market as a whole, and I'll touch on this a little more later when we talk about winners and losers. I really thought we'd see anti Ranta get traded. Hmm. And I think anti Ranta is a much better goalie than Devin Dubnik. So to see Devin Dubnik be traded to a contender like that and the Coyotes not be able to get a suitor for Ranta, that I think that was a missed opportunity for the Coyotes, which is a team they, they need draft picks. They need to rebuild. They do. I think the only reason that he's not an a-, a member of the Avalanche is because of the Yotes do put together something here and they're going to face him in the playoffs. Um, but other than that, I do agree with you that I was surprised Arizona was very quiet with Antiranta as well. You mentioned Jack Campbell. He lost his first game of the season last night to Montreal. But, yeah, I, I think it's temporary because they don't want to get caught by Winnipeg and Edmonton. And if they have, if they get caught by one of them and have to play the other one, they'd rather play Montreal than they just lost Montreal. And I think there are a lot of questions with the Freddie. This shows me that they're not confident in the Freddie Anderson injury right now. Personally, I think it's – I don't know. It's just if, – if they thought Freddie Anderson was coming back next week, there's no sense in trading for David Riddick because he's not going to play until next week anyways. And we're only three weeks out from the, from the end of the regular season. So to me, this, this screams we don't know if Anderson's going to be ready for the playoffs and we need another guy. I agree. Yeah, I mean – we're not talking about like a seventh round pick they gave up here, like a third round pick. That's a, that's a, you can get good guys in the third round if you got good scouting. So I think, yeah, I agree. Dubas said Freddie's coming back, but I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, that trade, it was a little bit out of, not out of nowhere. Cause we kind of knew that Riddick was going to get traded, but to the Leafs, that was a little interesting. A guy who we didn't know was going to get traded and we knew the Leafs were going to, I mean, the market on was Nick Foligno. This is where, this is where another winner for me comes in. It's Columbus. They trade Nick Foligno. They trade Dar- David Savard, and they get two first round picks back. We could talk about the weird format. Uh, it's a little weird, but we'll talk about Nick Foligno first. He's the captain of Columbus for a while. He gets traded to to the Leafs now. Least power play. When they traded for him, was one out of their last 34. Now it's one of the out of their last 36. They went over two last night. Their power play is brutal. They added just another player to just spice that up a little bit. The last thing this team needs is another center. Obviously, John Tavares is their second center on their team, but a, a guy who can score is never not going to be traded for. And is a first round pick a lot? Yeah. But I think that this is a, a win win for both sides. Columbus. Is is gonna start? Is gonna rebuild? We know that, um, and the Leafs now get this tool, this piece to put themselves over the edge in the North Division. And and I'm not gonna say that they punched their ticket yet because I think 
that Edmonton can create a lot of damage with the best player in the world, but they are getting closer and closer by the day to punching their ticket to the conference finals, essentially. Yes. Great, great work by the Columbus general manager. I think you could argue David Savard's worth a first round pick. I don't think Nick Felino is worth a first round pick. Um, Felino, he's had a rough year. He's got 16 points in 42 games. So goal scoring has been tough for him. I know he brings obviously great leadership, great defensive work. I didn't really love the move, but from everything I've seen come from Toronto fans, Toronto media, they seem to like the move. So, I mean, I'll obviously defer to them. They watch the team more than I do. And yeah, I think this just signals this is good from Kyle Dubas. You know, this is a year where the Leafs can seriously make a run. I don't think, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to maybe face McDavid in the playoffs, but Chicago beat McDavid last year. You might have to face a hot hellebuck, but I think the Leafs are by far the best team in this division. And they, if they don't make it at least to the conference finals, there's going to be some serious questions. So I liked the moves the Leafs made overall, uh, maybe a little bit of an overpayment, but sometimes you got to overpay and they're definitely in win now mode. This is a year where the Leafs are maybe a top two, top three contender for the cup. Yeah. And I think they're good. They, they know, right. People in that building know that they're benefiting from this playoff format. Yes. If you don't, if you don't know that you're an idiot. So like, if you can admit like, not having to play Boston, Tampa is really going to help us, and we're going to avoid Tampa until there's four teams left. That's per, that they're 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 the team that's really thrown the bone the been thrown a bone the most by this playoff format. And there's really nothing the NHL can do about it, right? With the Canadian rules and all that. I'm not blaming the NHL at all, but I do think it's interesting that they're now going to go for it in a year where it seems like they have a free ride to the conference finals, but you just never know. Um, the other guy was David Savard, who goes to uh, Tampa for a first-round pick. And I think, you know, you look at Victor Hedman as the best defenseman in the world. I think that's pretty obvious. And Ryan McDonough having kind of a late career resurgence. After that, you know, their defense does get a little bit shaky, especially, you know, they lost Braden Coburn and they lost a few guys from that cup team, although Mikhail Sergachev did stay. But – I, I think this is a really good pickup for Tampa, uh, for Toronto, yeah, no, for Tampa. Um, but they um, they do have to give up a first round pick. But I mean, when your first round pick is going to be below twenty eight, whatever. I mean, they're they're trying to do back. They're trying to go back to back for you know only the second time since God only knows when. So since the since the mid nineties actually. So I, I I like the move for Tampa. I, I think David Savard is a really good player and both of these teams utilize this new kind of trade format that I think we're going to see a lot of. Yeah. Like you said, the 30th pick of the first round means absolutely nothing to the Tampa Bay lightning right now. They're, they're win now mode. Obviously they're trying to go back to back and I really like this move as well. The left side of their defense is probably the left side, best left side in the NHL, McDonough, Hedman, Sergachev. But if you wanted to point at one weakness of this team, it could be said it was their right defense. They don't really have much Chernax there. And yes, uh, Savard definitely helps fill a hole. He's not going to really put up points for you, but he is still an outstanding defensive defenseman. It'll be very interesting to see who he plays with. I don't think they'd put him on the first pair with Hedman, but is he going to play with McDonough? Is he going to play with Sergachev, who's a little more offensive minded? But yeah, I love that move for Tampa. And let's not forget, they're getting the best addition in the NHL when playoffs start in the Akita Kucherov. It's almost unfair. Mm -hmm. it, it certainly is. And that, that trade format I spoke about. So you'll, you'll look at the Savard trade. 
A first and a third come back to Columbus, both from Tampa. Savard actually made a stop in Detroit, not physically, but in the trade market, made a stop in Detroit. So Columbus retains half of his $4.25 million salary. So they so they keep 2.1 on the books and shave 2.1 off. That He goes to Detroit. Detroit now has a player with a $2.1 million cap hit. They retain half that salary, and then he goes to Tampa. So Tampa is only paying a quarter of his salary at $1,062,500. Detroit's playing a quarter, and then Columbus is paying a half. Um, and then Columbus also did that. It's not really Columbus's fault. It's just a coincidence. Um, where With Nick Felino, where they – or San Jose rented out their cap space, uh, $1.375 million of it for Nick Felino. They got a fourth-round pick from Toronto as well. So it's an interesting kind of format, and it happened with Matias Yanmark and the Vegas Golden Knights too as I scroll up, and that was also San Jose. They got a fifth-round pick uh, for doing that. It was $1.1 million. I think this is going to be something we see with this flat cap because you're going to have teams who are going for it, right? You're going to have the teams way at the top, the Vegas, Toronto, um, Tampa, Islanders, those teams that are way at the top. Then you're going to have these teams that are they're tanking right now. I mean, let's be real about it. New Jersey, San Jose, Detroit, L.A., Anaheim, they're completely rebuilding and they have no – San Jose has players tied up for a long time, which is why it's interesting it's them. And if they can get like mid-level picks out of it, it's a good move for them. And I, I just, I kind of, we kind of seen it before, but I think we're going to see a lot of it for the next couple of years because of this flat cap situation. Yeah, it's kind of like a win-win for everybody, honestly, and especially for these next. I think Bettman said for the next four years, the cap is going to stay the same. We'll see if that ends up happening, but yeah, I mean, what do you have to lose? I'd pay a couple hundred thousand for a fifth round pick if I'm the general manager of a rebuilding team and it helps out the teams who are taking on the player salaries. So I agree. I think we're definitely going to be seeing more of this when there is a flat cap and maybe it'll continue beyond that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good strategy when you think about it. Yeah, it is a good strategy. And, and if one of those picks hits, it's totally worth it. You know, uh, and you never know. Um, so we'll move on. This, you know, two from 250 to 310, you know, is the most fun part of Trade Center. And, you know, James Duffy from TSN is trying his best to just spit out the words as fast as they're being put in his ear. It's very interesting. And this one was a shocker. I mean, if, you, if I don't know if you were watching it, but if you're watching it, right, you see like LeBron just like looked down at his phone. And everybody just started like freaking out because this was completely out of nowhere. Anthony Mantha from Detroit gets traded to Washington. Now, on the surface, it's a rebuilding team trading to a contending team. So what? Let's look at the return. Jacob Verona, panic, a first, and a second for Anthony Mantha from Washington to Detroit. Anthony Mantha just signed a contract in Detroit with Steve Eisman, the new GM, for a multi-year contract to be kind of Part piece number two of this rebuild behind Dylan Larkin. He's now gone. Verona and Panic are both on expiring contracts. Steve Geiserman picks up a first-round pick. This trade makes no sense for Washington. And the contract for Mantha makes no sense for Geiserman. Now, it doesn't matter now. It's not on his books. But I don't understand why you signed that contract. You pick up a first-round pick if you're, if you're Geiserman. That's fine, I guess. 
But now you have two players you have to re-sign at the end of the season if you want them. I don't like it for Washington. It's weird, but, I mean, I guess you like it for Detroit. At the end of the day, I don't know if Washington got better with this trade. I don't – I don't – I think I've seen a lot of conflicting – Point of view, points of view, which to me leads me to believe that Verona and Mantha are very similar players. So in the temporary, Washington probably stayed the same, but long term they got worse. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it at all for Washington either. Verona and Mantha are very similar players. Verona is actually having a slightly better year scoring wise. Um, I think issues with Verona and Washington. I think he was maybe conflicting with Peter Laviolette a little bit. I know there was a debate about playing time. That right side is. Pre- pretty stacked with uh Oshi and see that guy Kuznetsov but um yeah a first and a second is a lot to give up and I know part of that was getting rid of the panic contract which will help Washington but I mean for Detroit a Richard Panic is gonna slide into your lineup and play you're not a good hockey team so you're getting two roster players a first round pick and a second round pick Mantha may be a little bit better for winning now for Washington, but I mean, if Washington gets bounced in the first round this year, which they could, I mean, if they end up as the two or three in the East division, they're going to have a very tough matchup in the first round. If they get bounced in the first round, I think this is an awful trade for Washington. And I think Detroit absolutely won this. You get two picks and two players who hopefully, or at least Verona will be around for a while. He'll be able to play 18, 20 minutes a night. Doesn't have to worry about ice time. And I like Jacob Verano a lot. We saw him kind of break out when the Cavs won the Stanley Cup. I think he's had a little bit of trouble reaching that level again or exceeding that level. But new place, new coaching staff, I think is a great move for Detroit. And it's interesting because Washington was one of those teams you kind of counted out because they don't have any money. I mean, going into this, they had no cap space. They did make one trade where they sent somebody out to New Jersey and they got a third-round pick back for it. And then they traded for Michael Roffel from Philadelphia for a fifth-round pick. I, I, I'm not a GM. I just don't know how they fit this under the cap. I mean, if you add it up, yeah, Verona plus Panic is about equal to Mantha, so I guess that's how they did it. But it, it, just, it was so surprising. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know why Detroit traded the way Mantha, but if you're offered that package, I get it. For I don't Washington, think you can say no to that package, honestly. For Washington, <laughs> I don't know why you're offering that package. I don't get it. It, it doesn't make any sense to me personally. I just have no idea. I, I, I'm interested to see Mantha play for the first time this week because where is he going to slot in? How are they going to – you know, Verona's a really solid player for them. He's playing with TJ Oshie. Is Mantha just going to come right in and start playing with TJ Oshie? I have no idea. They, they get older, which is the last thing they need. They get more expensive, which is the last thing they need. It, I don't get it at all. I don't. Yeah, I have a tough time seeing a scenario where the Caps come out on top of this trade unless they like go on a magical run here and, and win a cup. I think three years from now, four years from now, we might look back and be like, oh, that, that, that was a one-sided that was a one-sided deal there. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree that, agree that defenseman was Jonas Siegenthaler who went from Washington to New Jersey, but he's only an $800,000 player. I, I, I'm not good at salary cap. I don't know. Speaking of the devils, uh, they fire sale for the third straight year, I believe. Um, just, just a complete, you know, their fire. So they made the playoffs four years ago. Right. And now three years in a row at the deadline, they're just like anybody with value, just get the hell out of here. Just go so far away from me. 
they get they pick up Jonas Siegenthaler. Dmitry Kulikov goes to Edmonton for a conditional fourth that becomes a third if the Oilers win a playoff round. So they're hoping that they move up to the first spot. And they lost two players for free, which is interesting. Uh, they put Nikita Gusev on waivers, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. He doesn't get picked up. And then they put him on unconditional waivers, which is just AIHL's fancy word for saying you goodbye. They completely cut him, and he signs a one-year, $1 million contract with Florida. The other player, Sammy Votnin, gets picked up off of waivers, and he goes to the Dallas Stars. Those two don't really make a lot of sense to me. Although they didn't have high value, you'd think New Jersey would want to get something back for them. But all in all, they, they're just clearing cap, just just trimming the fat off of this thing until they can they can really put something around Hughes, Heashier, um, and Blackwood. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Votnin probably could have warranted at least a, a late round pick. I mean, at least in my I mean, opinion. Braden Coburn went for we, seven. Braden Coburn, Eric Gustafson, he's not good. Erica Branson, he's not good. So, I mean, I think Sammy Votnin could have at least warranted like a fifth or sixth rounder. Gusev, not so sure. He's had a really just bad tenure as a devil. I think it's fair to say that just didn't work him coming over from Russia, but it's a low risk move for Florida who had a really good deadline. I like their pickup of Sam Bennett as well. Um, yeah. The devil's third straight year selling. We had a lot of interesting uh, waiver transactions. Victor Mete going to, I don't know why the Canadians put him on waivers. Yeah. I mean, that was a great move by Ottawa to pick him up. You got a very solid defenseman for free who is still 22, 23 years old. You can still let him develop. So I love that move for Ottawa. Did not understand it at all for Montreal, especially then when a few hours later they traded for Eric Gustafson, who is practically the same player as Victor Mete, an (laughs) offensive defenseman who is only older and (laughs) probably a little worse. So I I didn't get that at all. But, yeah, very interesting waiver exchange in the past 24, 48 hours. Yeah, Victor Mete was surprising. I mean, they came on – they came back from like a commercial and Pierre Brown was like, okay, Victor Mete just got picked off from Ottawa. I was like, that's the most random thing I've ever heard in my life. It was very odd, but you're right. Um, it, uh, it was an interesting one. It, it was for sure. Um, it, you know, you talk about Nikita Gusev and an interesting struggling tenure in New Jersey. They traded for his rights. So, on thanks, thank you to Cap Friendly. July 29th, 2019, the Devils acquired Nikita Gusev's signing rights for a third round pick, which turned into Lucas Cormier, and a second round pick that is yet to be selected is this year's second round pick. So last year's third and this this year's second. Um, very interesting. I, I I didn't see it. He had a decent start to his Devils career. He scored a couple of goals early in last year, but you know, it, it, it's it's unfortunate, you know, it's, you don't want to see that from a guy who comes over, but you know, it, it, we'll see if he's kind of able to, to get back to, to what he was early last year um, from in down in Florida. I think he might, you know, he's around better players down there, uh, you know, Barkovs and Huberdos, and he'll be kind of buried a little bit where this here he was expected to score a little bit more than he will be in Florida. Yeah, yeah, definitely having the supporting cast around him will help a lot. Um, it is unfortunate to see a guy come over from Russia. You know, the transition from Russia is documented as one of the hardest to do as a professional athlete. So to see him struggle like that, you obviously 
wish the best for him. And just that overall transaction is the last thing you want to see as a rebuilding team where you trade out a second and a third for an asset. And then a year and a half later, you're, you're cutting him for nothing. That's not something that the devils want to be doing. That's not something any team wants to be doing, but especially a team that is in the middle of a rebuild. I would agree. Uh, speaking of Florida, Sam Bennett from Calgary goes there. Uh, his full $2.5 million contract hit along with a sixth round pick from, from Calgary to Florida for Emil Heineman and a 2022 second round pick back to Calgary. Uh, this was a fractured relationship between the Flames and Bennett. Uh, he requested the trade earlier in the season was not granted to him. He has now traded to a contender. Uh, I think Calgary says, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And Bennett says, I won't cause I'm sprinting to sunrise Florida. Yeah. I feel like all those top guys in Calgary, whether it's Monahan, Bennett, Gaudreau have been on the trading block for the past couple years, besides that one amazing regular season they had, which they then imploded in the first round of the playoffs. This has been a perennial underachieving team. And yeah, I feel like Sam Bennett has been traded three times already. I think it seems like since 2016, he's been the number one guy who this is the off season. This is the trade deadline that Sam Bennett has got. So yeah, a mutual, I think both sides are very fine with, with a divorce here. He was the highest or still is number not, not going to be taken away from him. The highest draft pick in the history of the Calgary flames at number four overall. Um, and to say it did not work out would be quite the understatement to say the least. Um, we mentioned Braden Coburn. Uh, that's about all I'm going to do. He goes to the Islanders for a seventh round pick. A, he is now the seventh. I guess he's the seventh defenseman over Ajo or Hickey. Is he that much better? I don't really know. But he he provides a different kind of body than I think is on the team right now. He provides a Boychuk type of play that they don't currently have, which I guess Lou Lamorell, you know, you can never have too many defensemen. Seventh round pick, I'm not going to get too upset about it. Cup champion as well, I believe, right? Yes, Didn't sir. he win it with Tampa? So, you know, That's you true. can never take enough depth and you can never take enough winning experience, especially a team like the Islanders, who's got a lot of young guys. I mean, they made a run last year, but I'm, it'd be interested to know how many guys on that team, if any, have won a Stanley Cup. So, Letty, Lad, but he never plays. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I got for you. And Trotz and Lamarell, of course, but, and some of the coaches. But um, no, I think that's it. I think just letting. So oh, yeah, that, that yeah. always helps. Always helps, without a doubt. Um, you mentioned the Victor Mete weirdness. It's even weirder because John Merrill got traded from Toronto, um, from Detroit to Montreal for AHL player Hayden Verbeek and a fifth round pick. It's good considering the recent injury to Ben Sherratt, but I mean, they, Victor Mete and Eric Gustafson or Eric Gustafson. Is it Gustafson or Good Branson that went to town? Gustafson. Gustafson went to Montreal along with Merrill. They let go of Mete, so clearly they're not high on Mete. Um, So they pick up one defenseman all in all. Uh, But solid for Montreal. You knew Detroit was going to trade him and they get something. Yeah, good deadline for Montreal. I think, you know, they're pretty much locked into that four spot. I don't think anyone's catching them, and it's going to take a crazy hot streak for them to catch any of the teams ahead of them. And, yeah, I mean, you're facing a first-round matchup with Toronto, which I don't think many people are going to pick them to win. So good pickups. They probably get a little – I mean, they get more depth on the back end. They maybe get a little bit better, but not making any big, splashy moves that are going to 
kind of deter, deter the course that the Canadians are on. I think this was a good deadline for them. You talk about the East division, talk about, you know, we talked about Coppola Mary, Tyler, Taylor Hall, now both in that playoff conversation. Anthony Mantha goes to Washington and Pittsburgh's answer is Jeff Carter, who goes for a conditional third, conditional fourth to the Pittsburgh Penguins from the LA Kings. Obviously there's a Philly connection with uh, Jeff Carter's early career being in Philadelphia and Ron Hextall now being the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is never going to not be a weird sentence. Uh, Ron Hextall and Pittsburgh Penguins, but he goes to Pittsburgh as a veteran piece in that lineup. I think it's like the last thing in the world that they need as a veteran, veteran forward who can score, but it, it can never hurt, I guess. You know, they have 86 of them, but why not 87, I guess? Yeah, it's just an example. Penguins just getting older. I mean, their window is also closing, similar to Boston. This might be one of the last years, if not the last year, they get a run at it. So conditional third and conditional fourth, not giving up much, and you're just going for it with Crosby and Malkin at this point. I I think it's similar to Washington, where in theory, yes, I would agree that their window is closing. But until 8 and 87 are in the rafters, their window isn't closed in my book. Especially, you know, how long have you and I, for different teams, been rooting against them and they never lose? So, you know, as long as 8, 8 and 87 are on the ice and not in the rafters, I'm not saying that either one of those teams are closed, even though in theory you're right. That is true. I remember the Rangers beat him in the first round one year and then they proceeded to win – like two straight Stanley Cups. Right. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the team is, I guess, never really out of it. The future is not looking great there prospect pool wise, but when you have a player, the caliber of Sidney Crosby, I guess you're always in it. Yes, that is without a doubt. True. Um, Riley Nash went from Columbus to Toronto for a seventh round pick forward depth, whatever. And then the last one I just wanted to mention quickly was Adam Gadet. This is a guy who came into Vancouver as kind of a highly touted prospect. You know, he won the Hobie Baker for Northeastern um, and he goes to Vancouver and he has not been good there. And in addition to that, not his fault at all, but was the first person put on the COVID list in what is now uh, a two plus week pause. He goes to Chicago in exchange for Matthew Highmore, two reclamation pros- two reclamation projects and two guys who, Needed to change the scenery and get it and see if Adam Godek can put something together here for sure for Chicago. Exactly. Changes scenery for both guys. Seems like Vancouver for every big hit prospect they get, the Hughes, the Bessers, the Pedersons, you got the Godets then, you got the Vertanens who haven't really worked out. So, and I was kind of surprised. We talked about it last podcast that Vancouver made a few moves, which I was a little bit surprised about considering almost their entire roster is I believe well, still yeah, in so they, COVID. They, they <laughs> traded. They're on the board three times here. Cadet was taken off the COVID list on Monday morning, which if that wasn't a sign that he was getting traded, I don't know what else. It, <laughs> I saw it. I was like, oh, I guess I'm going that's gone. <laughs> I mean, like what? It was so random. And then the other two were Madison Bowie, who went to – who went, oh, no, he came to Vancouver from Chicago. So they only traded a fourth-round pick to Chicago. And then, so God bless that guy. Good God. Uh, and then they traded Jordy Ben, who the only reason he's not on the COVID list is because he had it earlier in the season and now has the antibodies and it's not caught at this time. So you have the guy who started it, who was the first guy off, the guy who already had it and never got it because the antibodies. Those are the two guys who left. Everybody else is sick. <laughs> That's they had the their first practice canceled too. I don't know if you saw that one. That guy kind of got lost in the shuffle of the Sunday night madness, but they had their first practice canceled. Because another guy got put on the list. 
They're never flying again. I they mean, will never fly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Just, and we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys next fall. <laughs> I guess is insane. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all I have. I spoke a lot. Uh, Hayden Flory went to Anaheim. He's a pretty solid player. Uh, that's it. Yep, that's all I have. So there were a lot of trades, a lot of good stuff. You know, not as exciting as previous years. You didn't have like the Mark Stone trade or the JG Pajot. But you had Taylor Hall uh, for the second straight season at the or last year was a little bit before the deadline, but for the second straight season being traded mid-season. Um, so a fun deadline, all in all. Uh, we'll wrap it up with this. We have three winners, three losers. We'll start. Gotta start low. See, so end on a high note. Losers, Buffalo. We mentioned it. How do you not get a first round pick back? Disastrous rebuild, disastrous season. Up and on. That's the one we agree on. I think. Do you have anything yes. to add to that? No. Okay. Buffalo great. was the obvious loser. Not necessarily as much to a fault of their own, just the scenario they were put in yep. getting a second round pick. Yeah. Not. Not I have Carolina. Carolina is the only team who really didn't. They lost Hayden Florio, as I just mentioned. They didn't add anything. Florida adds Gusev, Bennett, um, and Montour. Tampa adds Savard. Carolina doesn't add anything. It's and there we're kind of in the goal market, but maybe not. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how that shakes out now with the new additions to those teams, and if Carolina's going to be able to keep pace. Not and they just lost to Detroit last night too. Not you know without a trade deadline addition. Yeah, I was thinking about teams like that too. So in that sense, I picked the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I understand them not buying. If they wanted to buy a player, you could definitely uh, validate it. They're only one point out of the final playoff spot. But to see them not sell either, I mean, they had some guys that probably could have warranted some interest. I mentioned Antti Ranta. Alex Goligoski seemed like he was getting a lot of interest like a couple months ago, and that just died. I don't know what happened with that. So to see a team that, needs draft picks i mean what they not have a pick until like the third or fourth round last year and then we saw what happened with that they had to separate from the dudes so arizona you need draft picks oh i forgot about that they would not have i'm not i mean they wouldn't have gotten anything probably more than a fourth or a fifth for either of those guys but everything matters especially for a team that they don't have a first rounder this year either so i mean you guys you got to get picks to make picks and i just was pretty surprised to see the coyote stamp hat that is, I, I forgot about that draft pick story. That is very interesting. Yes, they don't have a first this year. They do have two seconds, theirs and um, theirs and Columbus's, and then they don't have a third, and they have two fours. So they have four picks in the first four rounds, if you want to look at it that way. Or you could not and, and say that they had a ton of expiring free agents. Eric Broussard, Connor Garland. Oh, they're not going to trade Connor Garland, but Dryden Hunt, John Hayden, um, you know, Alex Golgoski, Nick Jalmerson, Jason Demers. Uh, and they, they could have traded one of them. They just could have. Um, and they did not. I think that's a that's a solid loser. My third one is Philadelphia for pretty much every reason that you just mentioned with Arizona. Why aren't you going for it? Kevin Hayes, uh, you know, is signed for a long time. I get that. They did resign Scott Lawton. But it's not like the window is closing. But Giroux, Hayes, Couturier, Konechny, they're not going to get younger. And as good as Joel Farabee has been, he's one guy, and that's four. I would have liked them to go pick up a, a uh, you know, Jeff Carter, a Gusev, a, one of those kind of lower fourth, fifth round guys um, to try to make a run for it and unseat Boston because the wheels have fallen off in Philadelphia. The Flyers are honestly one of the hardest teams to judge in the NHL because, I mean, on one hand, after the first month of the season, 
everybody was like, yeah, this is a Stanley cup contender. This is a possible Stanley cup champion. And then the wheels have just absolutely fallen off. I don't necessarily hate them not going out and making a big splash because I mean, the way this team has been playing, I don't think this is a playoff team. And even if they did make the playoffs, I think they'd get spanked in the first round, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you mentioned Giroux, Voracek getting older, but then again, you got Carter Hart, Farabee who are younger. So it's almost like they have two cores where Mm -hmm. one is moving in and the other one is moving out, but it makes it very hard. They're kind of stuck in this limbo where the young guys are maybe not quite at the potential they're going to be at. And then the older guys are starting to fall off. I think that that's a very good point. Your third loser. And my is third the loser caps. was the caps. We talked about them a lot. Just didn't like the deal that they made. Couldn't agree more. Uh, in terms of winners, we agree on two Boston and Columbus, Boston. I mentioned that I don't love the fit and they could have done more, but anytime you get the best guy in the market for a second round pick, you're a winner in my book. And Columbus gets two first round picks. I think that, um, you know, they're going to have three first round picks going into this year and potentially a new coach Tortorella has an expiring contract. Uh, so we'll see what Columbus looks like, but any more to add on those two? Oh yeah. I think Columbus in terms of sellers was the big winner and Boston was the big winner in terms of buyers. I mm-hmm. think Columbus, honestly, if you want to look at overall who had the best deadline, I'd maybe give it to Columbus. Two first round picks is great, which means they have now three in this draft, I believe. So yeah, great job by Yarmo Kikalainen. And then my third winner was Detroit. I mean, we mentioned, I mean, I kind of, you know, Washington was a loser in that trade and Detroit was a winner. And then, and you know, another one I was just thinking of now, because we've talked about Detroit and Washington plenty. I think Vegas and Colorado were winners too, because really nobody else in that division did anything. So I'd be shocked if those are not the two finalists from that West division. They both made minor additions, but then again, they didn't really need to add that much. They're two outstanding teams already. Yeah, they both added, you know, Devin Dubnik and Patrick Nemeth go to Colorado and Yan Mark goes to Vegas. I think, that, I think that's solid as well. They, they're, you know, in that arms race out there. My, I had two, I had 3A and 3B. My 3A is Florida for reasons that we've mentioned and Toronto for reasons that we mentioned. I think both of those teams added players they needed in a hotly contested playoff race and, the last 15 games of the season are going to be a lot of fun, man. In all four of these divisions, um, there are storylines uh, all over the place. Rangers, Devils for the next four games, which is pretty wild. Um, so if the Rangers are going to be able to pick up some ground on Boston now if they're playing a depleted Jersey team. The Islanders have two against Boston this week. So we'll be able to see Taylor Hall. Here's Harrison. the Rangers' chance. This is their chance right here. I'm, chance. You are. I'm an Islanders fan this week. You and all the Ranger fans are rooting for the blue and orange this week. Thank you for sticking with us. Bridge, our producer, is probably bored out of his mind. But another trade deadline edition in the books. We will see you next week. For Tyler Mooney, I'm Chris Hennessy. Until then.